Welcome to Flopography, where we revisit old pop albums that are known by many, not because of their critical or commercial success, but because of their lack thereof. These albums received the designation of flop. But did we give them a fair shake? Hey guys, and welcome to episode three of Flopography. Uh, Mike and Steve here bringing you the latest episode, which today uh, we'll be discussing Katy Perry's uh, Witness, her um, fifth studio album. And we are really excited. Mike uh, is, a, is a KP fan. Uh, I, I am not. We'll get more into that, but um, a lot of this um, listening of this album was was new to me outside of the singles. Uh, but before we dive in, Mike, how's everything going? How is your your shelter in place over in Chicago? Uh, it's going well. This made it better. Um, I I loved Witness. Oops, I'm already going into it. But um, to celebrate today, I have her album in front right here. So her deluxe edition from Target that I had to purchase on day one. Pretty sure Jenny saw me coming back to the office with this. I, Jenny might even gone with me. Someone came with me. But I was super excited to get this. Um, and then- Yeah, because uh, I remember that story because she, Katy Perry, not to get too in, in deep with her promotion, but she, with Chain to the Rhythm, had the disco balls around Chicago. And I remember, uh, we'll have to dig up that photo for, for yeah. our fans, but uh, there was a photo of you and Jenny near a disco ball. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I think you, you were able to listen to a clip of the new song. Which was okay. Turn it up, it's your favorite song. Dance, dance, dance to the distortion. Turn it up, keep it on repeat. Stumbling around like a wasted zombie. Yeah, we think we're free. Train, this one's on me. We're all chained to the rhythm, to the rhythm, to the rhythm. And then I'm wearing an outfit that was inspired by her SNL performance of uh, Bon Appetit. And so, um, that whole entire performance itself. So you guys want to check it out. Yeah, as you can see, Mike and I, we alternate picking the albums for the show. Uh, so my first two picks were, were Gaga and Justin Timberlake and his, his uh, first pick is Katy Perry. Uh, so clearly you are a stan and I can't wait to, to dig in and hear more about your take on this album in particular. I'd like to hear Mike, you share, uh, you know, why you're a fan of Katy Perry uh, and a little bit of your perspective on her artistry. Uh, and it can kind of go until now, current date with her release of Smile. Yeah, Smile. And right now, as of recording, it'll be in like, what, three to four days? Um, so, you know, okay, I like Katy Perry. I wouldn't say I'm the biggest fan of hers, um, but I appreciate her. Uh, the first album was whatever. Um, obviously with Teenage Dream, that which actually uh, took a couple days ago, celebrated its 10 year anniversary. Isn't that crazy? Um, that makes me feel old, Mike. Yeah, well, I know. And and, uh, and I've been jamming to that already. But um, I, I just appreciate that she owns what she does. And she knows she does pop music and she knows she does it well. She knows there's a formula. Um, she's studied the game. Like there was even photos of her reading Madonna's like biography um to like 
basically, and she said, I need to reinvent myself. I need to make sure I'm continuously improving as a pop artist. And her self-awareness is very um, commendable. And I think that this album is definitely a big indicator of that. Um, how about you? I th you seem like you're kind of fuzzy with her. Yeah, you, you know, before I dive into my overall opinion of her, your comment about her self-awareness is something that actually um, I became aware of today. I was checking out her latest interview with Zane Lowe. Um, I don't know if you get a chance to listen to his Apple Music interviews, but they're really good. I listened to Gaga's Chromatica interview before that episode. And Katie was very self-aware. She talked a lot about her the fan reaction to witness and how much it affected her. Yeah. Um, she said something, it was like her, her artistry was off by like a decimal, but it was this like seismic shift in her life. We, we can talk about whether her artistry was, was really only off by a decimal. Did she say that verbatim? Yes. Wow. Yes. She said that verbatim. Um, I don't know if she said artistry, so to give her the benefit of the doubt, <laughs> um, but it was that this was off by a decimal and it was just such an earth shattering moment for her. Um, so my opinion on Katy Perry, I've, I've enjoyed some of her big hits, uh, specifically from the teenage dream era. So uh, uh, California girls, a teenage dream, the song, um, you know, Firework was a nice 4th of July song. Um, but I would say that was like, I've never been invested in her as an artist. I, I was always very curious of her fan base. Uh, you know, the first two ep episodes where we dove into JT and to Gaga, they have very like clear, you, you could paint a picture of their fan base pretty clearly. I could never do that with Katy Perry. She often like um, was a bit too bubblegum pop for me. Yeah. Uh, when she came out with one of the boys and like her, her launch single was I Kissed a Girl, uh, it felt like she might be going in this more like boundary pushing way um, and, and just being a little bit more offbeat and different. Yes. But how, how she kind of morphed her career, it felt very, um, very by the book for a pop star. Uh, and so I think sometimes her personality and her songs, while everyone can have a cheesy lyric, I mean, we just listen, listen to Man of the Woods. She often has um, very like almost uh, uh, cartoonish or, uh, or just cheesy lyrics as a part of her songs almost like a little bit dorky and she's okay with it. Um, and I just have never been a f necessarily a fan of that. Her offbeat, she's offbeat. And it's funny that you mentioned that. And obviously this is not a podcast about her history, but like <laughs> she definitely started off as a pop rock artist. Um, she came off as, you know, um, working with, with a very guitar driven sound and um, even her voice, if you look back at her old music, um, it was very much more rougher. It was a little, not less smooth and it was just super um, offbeat. I think it's a really great way to say it. Um, and with Teenage Dream onward, she really kind of refined her pop sound. And here we are today talking about Katy Perry because she's one of the biggest, arguably one of the biggest pop artists ever in the world. You can clip my wings, can't win 
June 9th, 2017 uh, is when Witness came out. Mm. Um, you know, what was going on in the world at the time? Uh, Ariana Grande, who was just kind of coming up, was making headlines as she hosted a benefit concert for the victims of the Manchester concert bombing. Um, so Miley performed there. It actually happened, I believe, the week before the launch of Katie's album. And curious, Mike, what was Mike Kiraz doing uh, back June 2017? I would say the summer of 2017 can be defined as a liberation. And I say that because deep, uh, it was, yeah, right. But like, it really was though, because the, I, um, the fall prior, I had just got out of like a three-year relationship. Right. And so this is like my first summer as a single man, but also just like being independent fully. And it was an exciting time. Cause you know, I would, I would have nights out, I'd get my work done. I, you know, go about my life. But, um, I feel like I was growing into an independence that I felt from this album mirrored that as well. How about you? It's it's funny you say that you were going through independence because I had just gotten married uh, <laughs> in May of 2017. Uh, so so a little bit different perspective, which will be interesting come our take on this album. Uh, a couple of other kind of songs in um, albums that were popular at the time. Uh, Post Malone had just become mainstream really that year with Congratulations was one of the top songs a year end. The Chainsmokers with Halsey Closer or Closer was, was one of the most popular songs of the year. So she was making, um, making waves as well as EDM was becoming really popular rap and the trend of emo pop started. It hadn't quite gone fully Billie Eilish and, and other artists, but um, I think that's important context when thinking about Katy Perry because she's typically been very like bubblegum and happy pop. Swish, swish, bish. She was on her fifth studio album. Um, I wasn't entirely sure if Katie Hudson counts as a studio album. You know, some artists are so fickle about like whether this is their fifth or fourth. It's like if they didn't like an album, they don't want to count it as part of their studio album. So uh, I actually think Does she count it? I, I actually think that they're considering Smile as KP5. Um, but Katie Hudson was a released album she was coming off of Prism, uh, which had hits like Dark Horse and Roar. Uh, and, you know, she was 32 years old. Uh, we, we know Katie's pregnant right now. Um, in the interview with Zane Lowe, she was talking about how, you know, how often do you interview somebody the week of their album release date and they're like 35 weeks pregnant, right? One of the biggest challenging things for being a female pop artist is when you're in your early 30s, people kind of write you off in your career. And you have to make a really strong pivot in order to be visible in another way. And we'll talk about more in that direction, but um, right away, I think from a societal point of view, she's she's doomed um, wrongfully, so, so wrong because of her age in the pop world. I'm 30 something going on 13. 
Prism ha uh, is, is multi-platinum today. Uh, it had first week sales of 286,000. Um, and the singles, like I said, Roar and Dark Horse both hit number one. And remember, famously, uh, uh, Katie hit number one with five songs uh, on Teenage Dream, which I believe before her, Michael Jackson had the record, which like, I would never think they would be in the same category, uh, but, yeah. but it, it's interesting. So naive, come on. Okay, but also Katy Perry cheated a little bit with having more album, more songs released from uh, expanded version of Teenage Dream, but I digress. flop album numbers, uh, Katie drove 180,000 album equivalent units um, that for Witness. Uh, it did reach number one with the highest uh, sales since 2016, which was by our girl Lady Gaga Joanne, wow. um, which, which sold 201,000. So just this was lower than Joanne, which you call flop band. The album singles, so the Hot 100 Peaks, we talked about Chain to the Rhythm, it hit number four. Swish, Swish mm -hmm. uh, hit, hit number 59. And then Bon Appetit with Migos mm. uh, hit 50, uh, sorry, that hit 59, and Swish, Swish with Nicki Minaj hit 46. In terms of the critics' reaction, looking back on Katie's discography, the the critics don't love Katie. Uh, even uh, Teenage Dream scored a 52 on Metacritic out of 100. Uh, Prism scored a 61, and one of the boys scored a 47. Uh, Witness had a 53. So it wasn't that far off from what you know she's delivered in the past. So as a, as a Katie Cat, Mike, uh, <laughs> the fandom name, uh, describe your initial reaction to the album. If you can summarize it in one word, that would also be great. Okay, I feel like I used the word curious before, so I'm gonna say intrigued. Um, because again- You have your thesaurus with you? Yeah, right, I know, I, I should throw out a few words, but she she just was promoting it in a different way and there was a lot of mystery to it um she also made this claim purposeful pop um in the marketing of this album and i remember being like oh, that sounds amazing it sounds like like something i want to listen to right and but the songs released were kind of like not reflecting that per se so i would say intrigued how about you when i first heard of the album or first heard the singles from the album, I would say they felt disconnected outside of Chain uh, to the Rhythm from the Katy Perry I knew. Uh, and it was the first time she had experimented with something a little bit different. The three singles that I remember, two of them had features with rap artists. Pink sliders on deck. Silly rap beats just give me more checks. 
My life is a movie, I'm never offset. Me and my amigos, no, not offset. Swiss, swish, ah, uh, I got them upset. But my shooters, I make them dance like dubstep. Swiss, swish, ah, uh, my haters is upset. Cause I make them, they get much less. I would say upon listening again, my initial reaction is filler. There are so uh. There are so many filler songs on this album. No, um, don't say that. <laughs> I, I, the back half of the album, it it kind of all meshes, uh, mesh, meshes together. I think Katy Perry was trying to position herself. This is her woke album, but let's be honest, like. First of all, I like the album a lot. Um, Wedding kind of was my favorite Katy Perry album, but I like the album, but it wasn't as woke as she thought it was. Um, when you have a song like Bon Appetit, which is a fucking bop and a half, that song is my jam. Ask Jenny, I would sing it all the time, 24 seven. You know, you, that actually caught out in our household because like <laughs> she, would bring, she would like make dinner or something and be like, bon appetit, baby. Yes. <laughs> what did you feel was the low moment from her era of Witness? Her YouTube uh, videos where she would kind of like live stream her, her like 24-7 living. Um, do you remember that at all? I don't remember that. I know a lot of artists do that, but 24 yeah. seven seems a bit. Yeah. A bit I mean, she did her therapy sessions as well. And like, there were some like scenes in this entire live streaming that she was like visibly not okay. Like she was crying, like, and that's okay. Right. That's a very intimate thing for you to bring your fans into to watch. Um, but I think much like, Lady Gaga's art pop, like this is also her trying to find her footing, right? She comes off a high from Teenage Dream into Prism, which was actually moderately successful, right? Um, with that singles, a couple number ones from there. And she'll try to find, all right, where is, where is Katy Perry in my early 30s? And to what you're seeing now, she wasn't as confident in what sound she was projecting. Milo moment was what you brought up earlier was the disconnect from her stance on purposeful pop yeah. to the music on the album. Yeah. I mean, specific, she specifically um, said that about Chain to the Rhythm, which like I couldn't even explain to you today how that song and those lyrics um, resulted in something that was very purposeful. It felt that she had created the album and then was trying to market it as something that it wasn't to get a little bit more impact. Yeah, well, and you and me as media professionals, like we know marketing and branding and, and efforts to do that when we see it, right? And so she was very clearly trying to market it um, in a different way than it was. You know, I, I, but here's the thing, like take all of that aside, strip the marketing aside of how she tried to position the album itself. It's not a bad album. I think, yes, it's not sonically cohesive, but the songs that she has some good jams on it. And, um, what I, when I was listening to it today, 
on my car because it seems to be the best time to listen to my albums these days um, is just like, it was electronic mixed with pop and she was trying to carve out a sound that she thought can forge ahead on its own um, and really kind of permeate the masses and inspire something new uh, from a generational perspective, but it didn't work. But the sound itself, like, I thought it was pretty good, you know, like it should be yeah. a good effort. So as I started the album, if you recall, I texted you a couple of songs in and I was like, this this isn't that bad. The first half of the album I thought was pretty solid. Um, and she worked with a slew of producers, she typically works with Max Martin. The production of itself was all over the place in itself, right? Uh, Max Martin did produce a good chunk of it, but that was like half the album maybe. And then she worked with some new people like Mike Will. Do you know who Mike Will is? No. Uh, Mike Will so did, know him? he did Miley Cyrus's, um, We Can't Stop and a lot of her bangers album. Um, he's worked a lot of hip hop artists. Let's call out the obvious though. With this entire album, Steve, this is the first record without Dr. Luke. Mm -hmm. The first record without Dr. Luke. Prism had Dr. Luke's imprint on it, right? And like, this is a huge thing in looking at how the album performed. It's her first record because of the Kesha, you know, um, uh, allegations that occurred. She didn't work with him anymore. So now she's losing this person who is Max Martin's sidekick and also a uh, music aficionado on his own. And uh, that definitely reflects on this album. I'm curious what you think should have been a single that wasn't. Um, <laughs> so there's not a lot of choices there um, because I think she did release the best ones that, that could serve as singles. Um, two songs immediately come to mind. One of them is Roulette and that song. Well, that was my choice. Yes. Okay, good. Well, it's so like the follow up to Waking Up in Vegas. I think I'm bored of being so. Roulette like has a nice like it grooves like you feel it and the yeah. fact that it's like number three on the album like it's still setting the tone and probably why you were like enamored by it. Um, rumored to be a single um, up until honestly even to like an early this year of like it being extended in some way. But uh, people thought that was going to be a song and it's just jams and it, that should have been one. So my second choice, and I really would love to hear your thoughts on the song, um, because as I'm listening to the album again, I'm like, I wonder what Steve thinks about this. Uh, <laughs> Tsunami is a hot track. Um, Tsunami is hands down, <laughs> I see your face. No. Tsunami is one of the hottest tracks I have ever heard. So baby, come and take a swim with me. Make me ripple till I'm It 
it's a different song for her. It's sexual, it's empowering, it's liberating, all those things. But what are your thoughts on that one? I couldn't get past the lyrics, the name, the like analogies to to weather patterns and water. What, in your opinion, aged um, like wine and, and what aged like milk about this album or the era? So, Age Like Wine, Swish Swish, I'm going to pick a song. Um, did you what know? What did you think of the Migos uh, and Nicki Minaj features? So, again, I was intrigued because she was expanding outside of what her typical sound is um, by including rap artists on tracks. Um, I, uh, Bon Appetit, you know, I'm crazy about that song, but with, um, Swish Swish and Nikki, like it's just, it, it clicks well. She knew she was going out of her comfort zone, but at the same time that Jax Jones produced beat is a very good one. Um, not Jax Jones, Duke DeMont. Um, and it's actually the same song that inspired Sour Candy by Lady Gaga of Chromatica. So they have the same tone. You want a real place, at least I'm not a fake. Thumb, thumb, unwrap me. Thumb, thumb, unwrap me. I'll show you what's me. Close your eyes, don't peek. Now I'm undressing. Unwrap sour candy. What did not age as well is uh, probably Change of the Rhythm, to be honest. And I hate to pick the singles, but like to this day, I still cannot get into it. It's just not a good song. For what aged the best to me, I enjoyed a lot of the production. As sporadic as it was on different tracks, I enjoyed um, a lot of the beats. If I lost it all today, would you stay? Could my love be enough to stimulate? If shit hit the fan, grenades got thrown, would you still show? What to me didn't age well, um, I, you know, I think the lyrics, but like that's sort of Katie shtick um, in being a little bit dorky. Uh, on the deluxe edition, Act My Age. I, uh, I love it. You love that song? You broke my, so, so everyone knows, um, I had to text Steve a reminder today and I said, make sure you listen to the deluxe edition, specifically because Act My Age is an amazing song. And when Steve said, uh, that's Act My Age, and I did, I'm like, oh, my heart broke into two. I So Mike, that brings us to what's your macro reason or rationale for what went wrong with Katy Perry's Witness? False marketing. Um, again, like I said, she tried to position the album as a ray of light by Madonna, her, her woke period, um, understanding the world, but that album totally not, did not reflect it. And that's okay. If you take away the marketing, the album stands on its own two feet. Um, but that's that's where she went wrong. She didn't do it the right way as far as marketing and publicity. I don't necessarily think the album itself would have been considered a flop. And I re-listened to some of the songs on like Teenage Dream um, that were non-singles. And I don't think they were any better than some of the songs on Witness. 
I think Katy Perry is a big singles artist. Um, I think that her singles are very important to the success of the album. I mean, for any artist, that's true. But I wouldn't say, like, as you can see from her critical um, response in previous albums, she could still have a successful era without a, a critically acclaimed album. But because she didn't, wasn't able to turn Swish Swish or um, or uh, Bon Appetit into big singles, I think that it was considered a flop. Yeah, I agree with you. I mean, she is a singles artist. Um, she rides on those and makes it's make or break, and uh, she didn't have that here. So that brings us to where Katie is now. Um, I think it's it's a really interesting point and kind of fork in the road for her career. Uh, she's coming out with her new album in release time. Her album will be officially out uh, called Smile. Um, so I'm interested, we typically ask, you know, how that artist has, has saved their career, but I'm, I'm interested in if you think that Katie has saved her career or, and how, and if not, how does she save it and what does her career look like moving forward? I don't think she has yet. Um, you have to write from a public relations perspective, your narrative. And you are a PR professional. <laughs> yeah, well, uh, did, yeah, did I mention that? No, I'm kidding. But, <laughs> but you have to write your narrative. And the challenge with this new album is that it's kind of riding the waves of, of uh, not doing well and not stable from the last era. So she released three or four standalone songs. None of them have tracked except for Never um, Really Over, which was a good song, but didn't hit the make an impact like any other song she's had, right? Um, but when you have four to five like songs that didn't really hit, and then you all of a sudden you say, I'm releasing an album and some of these songs are on here. Some of them aren't. It just seems like a mess thrown together. Um, what Katy Perry is due for, and, and to be honest, in some ways, this may be intentional for her, is to come out with a new album with a refreshed sound. And I think motherhood is gonna do that for her um, with after having her child and probably by the, by the time this uh, episode is released. What does the future of Katy Perry in the music industry look like? Um, you know, unfortunately, like we've talked about, you know, societal, you know, stereotypes and, and realities are that women in the music industry have to adapt more than men um, historically. Hopefully that'll change. I think um, moving forward, I don't know if Never Really Over didn't smash on the charts, I don't know what song Katy Perry releases will. Because that to me was a, a really strong effort from her. I think that was better than some of her singles from Teenage Dream. Yeah, um, well, 
I wouldn't go that far, but it was a quintessential Katy Perry song that should have made it big. I actually think I see more of like an adult contemporary, like, um, you know, I don't know if I'd go so far as like country, but just more of like a personal album. Katie has been mostly about pop music, so it'll be interesting to see like what other ventures she might try outside of just releasing another album. Because I, I we'll, we'll see what first week numbers are for Smile, but I don't I don't see this album being a comeback. Take away Katy Perry's um, Dark Horse from Prism, the set. So the second half of Prism in itself, that is her sound as an adult. Listen to it again. Um, and, and I wish Prism was kind of a flop, to be honest, because I think I would love to get your perspective on that record. But um, but take that second half of Prism. That is her sound. And she just needs to nail it again. And uh, I think Prism, in a sense, was ahead of its time. So now it's the time of the show where we feature a couple of fan tweets. Uh, so let's uh, pull up our first fan tweet. Um, so this fan, uh, Nadav, says Witness came out three years ago tomorrow. Truly a cultural reset. Uh, ahead of its time. I think, Mike, you used that. that <laughs> uh, glad to see it's getting more appreciation recently because it's truly an amazing body work. So sad Katie had to suffer through so much because of how people reacted to it. Hashtag justice for Witness with the photo. Of, of well, it's our album cover, but the eye in in the mouth. This is the first era where Katy Perry doesn't have her black long hair, right? And I do think because we live in a sexist society that is so messed up, her shaving, her not shaving, but basically going to a pixie cut, um, definitely probably caused a sexist reaction from some of the audience that she has. And she said that, you know, she's like. I recognize maybe I should have grew, grew my hair out and kept it long. Like that that in itself is polarizing. So uh, Pop Bass, uh, which isn't exactly a fan, um, <laughs> but I think that this, uh, this quote was really interesting. Uh, they tweeted, people started to get tired of me and they said I was finished, which is fine. Everyone has their peak and it was time for me to go down. It was a very hard change, but it helped me be aware. Uh, Katy Perry on her album Witness um, on Ash London Live. And I think this tweet, Mike, really um, spoke, speaks to the self-awareness Katy has about the lack of the success of the album. Well, and let's give her kudos. Like, not a lot of artists are going to – she's very blunt about her lack of success with that album. Maybe a little too much, but I appreciate that she's done it. Drum roll, 2020 <laughs> review. Uh, flop or not, Katy Perry Witness, go. Not a flop, total bop. I like, take away the marketing of it, take it away how she sold it. 
the album's good on its own. And there are some low moments. I mean, there's probably two tracks on there that I really don't like at all. Um, but I mean, the album in itself can stand on its own. I am not going to be as kind. <laughs> I think that the sales were there. I mean, you look back, um, she didn't have a huge sales drop off from her first week, um, which is when we're talking commercial success, you would probably think, okay, that's not as big of a flop as most people would think it was. Mm -hmm. But because Katie's such a big singles artist, um, and like, I actually think that her her outward, um, you know, reaction to the album, like makes makes if she even thinks it's a flop, shouldn't we think it's a flop? Sort of kind of thinking. Whereas I think that she could have positioned it as like a little bit more experimental, trying out new sound, um, similar to like what Gaga did with art pop. Um, and people wouldn't necessarily, like I, I, when I say people, I don't think I would have necessarily been like, this is such a big flop. I, I don't think it was a huge flop by any means. Um, and I think that she can, she can recover whether smiles it is, is remains to be seen. But I think that like, I still in 2020 would say that this, this was a fall off from her big, big eras um, and didn't do enough for me. Um, on the on the kind of um album tracks to to get justice for it <laughs> well here's the thing though like flopography every artist has to have something that def is de definition of flopography i think this is the the peak of katy perry's flop right smile we all know is gonna flop 100 percent um, and that, that, but that's okay. It's also going to be a step up from her last record. Um, yeah. And she, one thing she said in her interview today that I listened to is that she said, my expectations are managed with this album. Good, good, good. Well, she knows very well. It's not going to be a commercial success. Um, and it hasn't been yet, but, but good for her again, being very self-aware, very understanding of like in any pop artist's, uh, career, you're going to have the album that just brings you down and this is it. And she had to go through it. Every artist does. And um, I think her self-awareness is going to pivot her forward. That brings us to the close of our show, Mike. Yeah. Uh, another one in the books. Uh, we've done Art Pop, we've done Man of the Woods, and now uh, we've done uh, Witness. And we have uh, a couple of albums coming up that We'll both look into more of our favorite pop girls and also uh, into some some uh, new uh, genres of music, uh, but still within you know the the top forty space. So look forward to those episodes. Uh, as as always, please 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 uh, connect with us on social media at Flopography Podcast. Uh, shout, give us a shout out. Um, whether you're enjoying the show, don't tell us if you're not enjoying the show, but also give us uh, any recommendations for uh, flops that you'd like us to revisit and, and get and demand justice for. And we also want you to engage with us in other ways. So um, we know that this is a video podcast, but obviously you guys can find us on many other distribution platforms, Apple, Spotify, um, you name it, we're on it. But also, 
want to make sure you visit our anchor page um, on our anchor page you'll get all the links to every single distribution platform but then you're also gonna get a link to our so on social media and on top of that you can submit a voice memo so we're gonna start doing this moving forward we want you to submit a voice memo ask us a question um, you know reboot something and make sure you want to complain, whatever you want, we will add it in the episode and play it and react to that in real time. So please do it. Go to anchor.fm slash flopography podcast. That's anchor.fm slash flopography podcast. And please engage with us. All right. Well, that's a wrap, Mike. Good to see you again. As always, stay safe and look forward to reviewing our next album. Have a great night, everyone. I should have said green night. What the hell? Okay, we can end right there. Jimmy!